<clears throat> Hare Krishna everyone, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. <clears throat> For all you out in cyberspace, we hope you're well and safe and um, spreading the joy of these daily readings, sharing them with your friends and loved ones and others. Um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made a very uh, beautiful glorification of the Sri of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. It goes like this: In due course, Mahapralaya, devastating floods, will inundate the whole universe. If you attempt to survive by swimming in that deluge, then do not neglect to take hold of Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, and Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Or, if you cannot hold all three, then release Bhagavad Gita. If necessary, you may also relinquish Srimad Bhagavatam. But under no circumstances release your hold on Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, for if this one book remains, then the flood can do no actual damage. Because after it is subsided, the message of Shastra can be revived from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita alone, it being the essence of all Shastra. Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Advaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhakta Vinda Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Advaita Chandra Jai Gaur Bhakta Vinda Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gauda Bhakta Vinda Okay, we reached the <clears throat> seventh chapter, uh, Adi Lila, the glories of the Panchatattva. So Lord Chaitanya has met Prakashananda Saraswati and the, and the Mayavadis and he showed his effulgence and his humility by sitting down in the place where the shoes were kept, the place where the feet are washed. And they've been very impressed and then he gave them a little explanation to, to Prakashananda Saraswati what his spiritual master explained to him about why he chants Hare Krishna. <clears throat> and now the Mayavari sannyasis were very pleased with his sweet speech and his obvious spiritual effulgence are speaking to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We pick up at text 101. The my bodies are, are, are speaking to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Dear Sir, <clears throat> there is no objection to you being a great devotee of Lord Krishna. 
Everyone is satisfied with this. But why do you avoid discussion on the Vedanta Sutra? What is the fault in it? Purport. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments in this connection. Mayavadi sannyasis accept that the commentary of Sri Shankaracharya, known as Shariraka Bhasya, gives the real meaning of the Vedanta Sutra. In other words, Mayavadi sannyasis accept the meanings expressed in the explanations of the Vedanta Sutra by Shankaracharya, which are based on monism. Thus they explain the Vedanta Sutra, the Upanishads, and all such Vedic literatures in their own impersonal way. The great Mayavadi sannyasi Sadananda Yogindra has written a book known as Vedanta Sara, in which he writes, Vedanto Nama Upanishad Pramanam Tad Upakarani Shariraka Sutrajani Cha. According to Sadananda Yogindra, the Vedanta Sutra and Upanishads, as presented by Sri Shankaracharya in his Shariraka Bhasha commentary, are the only sources of Vedic evidence. Actually, however, Vedanta refers to the essence of Vedic knowledge, and it is not a fact that there is nothing more than Shankaracharya's Shariraka Bhasha. There are other Vedanta commentaries written by Vaishnava Acharyas, none of whom follow Sri Shankaracharya or accept the imaginative commentary of his school. <clears throat> Their commentaries are based on the philosophy of duality. Monist philosophers like Shankaracharya and his followers want to establish that God and the living entity are one. And instead of worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they present themselves as God. They want, to worship, they want to be worshipped as God by others. Such persons do not accept the philosophies of the Vaishnava Acharyas, which are known as Shuddhadvaita, purified monism, Shuddhadvaita, purified dualism, Vishishtadvaita, specific monism, Dvaitadvaita, monism and dualism, and Achintya Beda Beda inconceivable oneness and difference. Mayavadis do not discuss these philosophies, being firmly convinced of their own philosophy of Kelava Akevala Dvaita, exclusive monism. Accepting this system of philosophy as the pure understanding of the Vedanta Sutra, they believe that Krishna has a body made of material elements and that the activities of loving service to Krishna are sentimentality. They are known as Mayavadis because according to their opinion, Krishna has a body made of Maya, and the loving service of the Lord executed by devotees is also Maya. They consider such devotional service to be an aspect of fruitive activities, karmakanda. According to their view, bhakti, consists of mental speculation or sometimes meditation. This is the difference between the Mayavadis 
and the Vaishnava philosophies. Text 102. After hearing the Mayavadi sannyasi speak in that way, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu smiled slightly and said, My dear sirs, if you don't mind, I can say something to you regarding Vedanta philosophy. Purport. The Mayavadi sannyasis appreciating Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, inquired from him why he did not discuss Vedanta philosophy. Actually, however, the entire system of Vaishnava activities is based on Vedanta philosophy. Vaishnavas do not neglect Vedanta, but they do not care to understand Vedanta on the basis of the Sharira Kabasha commentary. Therefore, to clarify the situation, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with the permission of the Mayavadi sannyasis, wanted to speak regarding Vedanta philosophy. The Vaishnavas are by far the greatest philosophers in the world, and the greatest among them was Srila Jiva Goswami Prabhu, whose philosophy was again presented less than 400 years later by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta. Saraswati Thakur Maharaj. Therefore, one must know very well that Vaishnava philosophers are not sentimentalists or cheap devotees like the Sahajas. All the Vaishnava Acharyas were vastly learned scholars who understood Vedanta philosophy fully, for unless one knows Vedanta philosophy, he cannot be an Acharya. To be accepted, as an Acharya among Indian transcendentalists who follow the Vedic principles, one must become a vastly learned scholar in Vedanta philosophy, either by studying it or by hearing it. Bhakti develops in pursuance of Vedanta philosophy. This is stated in Srimad Bhagavatam 1.2.12 Tach chadadana munayo jnana vairagya yuktaya Pashyant Yatmani Chatmanam Bhaktya Shruta Grihitaya. The words Bhaktya Shruta Grihitaya in this verse are very important, for they indicate that Bhakti must be based upon the philosophy of the Upanishads and Vedanta Sutra. Srila Rupa Goswami said, Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharatra Vidam Vidim Mina. Aikanti ki harer bhaktir utpatayai vakalpate. Devotional service performed without reference to the Vedas, Puranas, Pancharatnas, Pancharatras, etc., must be considered sentimentalism, and it causes nothing but disturbance to society. There are different grades of Vaishnavas, Kanishta Adhikari, Madhyama Adhikari and Uttama Adhikari. But to be a Madhyama Adhikari preacher, one must be a learned scholar in the Vedanta Sutra and other Vedic literatures because when Bhakti Yoga develops on the basis of Vedanta philosophy, it is factual and steady. In this connection, we may quote the translation and purport of the verse mentioned above. Bhagavatam 1, 2, 12. Translation, the seriously inquisitive student or sage, well equipped with knowledge 
and detachment realizes that absolute truth by rendering devotional service in terms of what he has heard from the Vedanta Shruti. Purport. The absolute truth is realized in full by the process of devotional service to the Lord, Vasudev, or the Personality of Godhead, who is the full-fledged absolute truth. Brahman is his transcendental bodily effulgence, and Paramatma is his partial representation. <clears throat> As such, Brahman, or Paramatma, realization of the absolute truth, is but a partial realization. There are four types of human beings, the karmis, the jnanis, the yogis, and the devotees. The karmis are materialistic, whereas the other three are transcendental. The first class transcendentalists are the devotees who have realized the Supreme Person. The second class transcendentalists are those who have partially realized the plenary portion of the Absolute Truth. And the third class transcendentalists are those who have barely realized the spiritual focus of the Absolute Person. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita and other Vedic literatures the Supreme Person is realized as stated in the Bhagavad Gita and other Vedic literatures the Supreme Person is realized by devotional service which is backed by full knowledge and detachment from material association. We have already discussed the point that devotional service is followed by knowledge and detachment from material association. As Brahman and Paramatma realization are imperfect realizations of the Absolute Truth, so the means of realizing Brahman and Paramatma, that is, the paths of Jnana and Yoga, are also imperfect means of realizing the Absolute Truth. Devotional service, which is based on the foreground of full knowledge, combined with detachment from material association, and which is fixed by dint of the oral reception of the Vedanta Sruti, is the only perfect method by which the seriously inquisitive student can realize the Absolute Truth. Devotional service is not, therefore, meant for the less intelligent class of transcendentalists. <clears throat> there are three classes of devotees, <clears throat> namely first, second, and third class. The third class devotees, or neophytes, who have no knowledge and are not detached from material association, but who are simply attracted by the preliminary process of worshipping the deity in the temple are called material devotees. Material devotees are more attached to material benefit than transcendental profit. Therefore, one has to make definite progress from the position of material devotional service to the second-class devotional position. In the second-class position, the devotee can see four principles in the devotional line, namely, the Personality of Godhead, His devotees, the ignorant, and the envious. One has to raise himself at least to the stage of second-class devotee and thus become eligible to know the Absolute Truth. A third-class devotee, therefore, 
has to receive the instructions of devotional service from the authoritative sources of Bhagavad. The number one Bhagavad is the established personality of Godhead and the other Bhagavad is the message of Godhead. The third class devotee, therefore, has to go to the personality of devotee in order to learn the instructions of devotional service. Such a personality of devotee is not a professional man who earns his livelihood by the business of Bhagavatam. Such a devotee must be a represent representative of Shukadev Goswami, like Sutta Goswami, and must preach the cult of devotional service for the all-around benefit of all people. A neophyte devotee has very little taste for hearing from the authorities. Such a neophyte devotee makes a show of hearing from the professional man to satisfy his senses. This sort of hearing and chanting has spoiled the whole thing, so one should be very careful about the faulty process. The holy messages of Godhead, as inculcated in the Bhagavad Gita or in Srimad Bhagavatam, are undoubtedly transcendental subjects, but even though they are so, such transcendental matters are not to be received from the professional man who spoils them as the serpent spoils milk simply by the touch of his tongue. A sincere devotee there must therefore be prepared to hear the Vedic literature like the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra and other literatures left by the previous authorities or Goswamis for the benefit of his progress. Without hearing such literatures, one cannot make actual progress. And without hearing and following the instructions, the show of devotional service becomes worthless and therefore a sort of disturbance in the path of devotional service. Unless, therefore, devotional service is established on the principles of Shruti, Smriti, Purana and Pancharatra authorities, the make-show of devotional service should at once be rejected. An unauthorized devotee should never be recognized as a pure devotee. By assimilation of such messages from the Vedic literatures, one can see the all-pervading, localized aspect of the personality of Godhead within him, his own self constantly. This is called Samadhi. Text 103 Hearing this, the Mayavadi sannyasis became somewhat humble and addressed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Narayana himself, <clears throat> who they all agreed he was. Purport Mayavadi sannyasis address each other as Narayana. Whenever they see another sannyasi, they offer him respect by calling Om Namo Narayanaya. I offer my respect unto you, Narayana. Although they know perfectly well what kind of Narayana he is, Narayana has four hands, but although they are puffed up with the idea of being Narayana, they cannot exhibit more than two. Since their philosophy declares that Narayana and an ordinary human being are on the same level, they sometimes use the term Daridra Narayana, poor Narayana, which was invented 
by a so-called Swami who did not know anything about Vedanta philosophy. Therefore, although all these Mayavadi sannyasis who call themselves Narayana were actually unaware of the position of Narayana due to their austerities, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu enabled them to understand him to be enabled them to understand him to be Narayana himself. Lord Chaitanya is certainly the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayana, appearing as a devotee of Narayana. And thus the Mayavadi sannyasis, understanding that he was directly Narayana himself, whereas they were false, puffed up Narayanas, spoke to him as follows. Text 104 Dear Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they said, to tell you the truth, we are greatly pleased to hear your words. And furthermore, your bodily features are so pleasing that we feel extraordinary satisfaction in seeing you. Purport In the Shastras it is said, Atak Sri Krishna Namadi Nabaved Grayam Indriyahi Sevan Mukhi Mukhe Hijivado Swayameva Spodatyadaha with one's materially contaminated senses, one cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead or His name, fame, qualities, or paraphernalia. But if one renders service unto Him, the Lord reveals Himself. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, 1-2-234 Here one can see the effect of the Mayavadi Sannyasi's service toward Narayana. Because the Mayavadis offered a little respect to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and because they were pious and actually followed the austere rules and regulations of sannyas, they had some understanding of Vedanta philosophy and by the grace of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu they could appreciate that he was none other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead who was endowed with all six opulences. One of these opulences is his beauty. By his extraordinarily beautiful bodily features, the Mayavadi sannyasis recognized Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Narayana himself. He was not a farcical Narayana, like the Dridra Narayanas invented by so-called sannyasis. Text 105 Dear Sir, by your influence our minds are greatly satisfied and we believe that your words will never be unreasonable. Therefore, you may speak on the Vedanta Sutra. Purport In this verse, the words Tomara Prabhave, your influence, are very important. Unless one is spiritually advanced, he cannot influence another, an audience. We will repeat that again. In this verse, the words Tomara Prabhave, your influence, are very important. Unless one is spiritually advanced, he cannot influence an audience. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has sung, Shuddha Bhakata Charana Renu, Bhajana Anukula. Unless one associates with a pure devotee, one cannot be influenced to understand devotional service. These Mayavadi sannyasis were fortunate enough to meet the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
in the form of a devotee, and certainly they were greatly influenced by the Lord. They knew that since a perfectly advanced spiritualist never says anything false, all his words were reasonable and agree with the Vedic version. A highly realized person never says anything that has no meaning. Mm. Mayavadi philosophers claim to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and this has no meaning. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu never uttered such nonsense. The Mayavadi sannyasis were convinced about his personality, and therefore they wanted to hear the purport of Vedanta philosophy from him. Text 106 The Lord said, Vedanta philosophy consists of words spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayana, in the form of Vyasadeva. Purport. Now we're going to come up to a really, really long uh, purport. This may be... No, this isn't it. Okay. Purport. So now we're going to hear Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself propound on uh, the, Maya, the uh, Vedanta philosophy. And in doing so, he will refute the Mayavad philosophy. Purport. <clears throat> the Vedanta Sutra, <clears throat> which consists of aphorisms revealing the method of understanding Vedic knowledge, is the concise form of all Vedic knowledge. It begins with the words, Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Now is the time to inquire about the Absolute Truth. The human form of life is especially meant for this purpose, and therefore the Vedanta Sutra very concisely explains the human mission. This is confirmed in the word, by the words of the Vayu and Skanda Puranas, which defined a sutra, which define a sutra as follows. Apaksharam asangdigdam sarabhat vishvato mukham astobham anabadyam cha sutram sutra vido viduhu A sutra is a compilation of aphorisms that expresses the essence of all knowledge in a minimum of words. It must be universally applicable and faultless in its linguistic presentation. Anyone familiar with such sutras must be aware of the Vedanta Sutra, which is well known among scholars by the following additional names. 1. Brahma Sutra 2. Shariraka 3. Vyasa Sutra 4. Badarayana Sutra 5. Uttara Mimangsha and 6. Vedanta Darshan There are four chapters, Adhyayas, in the Vedanta Sutra and there are four divisions, Padas, in each chapter. Therefore the Vedanta Sutra may be referred to as Shodasha Pada or 16 divisions of aphorisms. The theme of each and every division 
is fully described in terms of five different subject matters, adhikaranas, which are technically called pratigya, hetu, udaharana, udaharana, upan, upanaya, and nigamana. Every theme must necessarily be explained with reference to pratigya, or a solemn declaration of the purpose of the treatise. The, the solemn declaration be given, given in the beginning of the Vedanta Sutra is atato, Brahma Jigyasa, which indicates that this book was written with the solemn declaration to inquire about the Absolute Truth. Similar, similarly, reasons must be expressed, hetu, examples, must be given in terms of various facts, udaharana, udaharana. The theme must gradually be brought nearer for, for understanding, upanaya. And finally, it must be supported by authoritative quotations from the Vedic Shastras, nigamana. According to the great dictionary compiler, Hemachandra, also known as Koshakara, Vedanta refers to the purport of the Upanishads and the Brahmana portion of the Vedas. Professor Apte, in his dictionary, describes the Brahmana portion of the Vedas as that portion which states the rules for employment of hymns and various sacrifices and gives detailed explanations of their origin, sometimes with lengthy illustrations in the form of legends and stories. It is distinct from the mantra portion of the Vedas. Hemachandra says that the supplement of the Vedas is called the Vedanta Sutra. Veda means knowledge and Anta means the end. In other words, proper understanding of the ultimate purport of the Vedas is called Vedanta knowledge. Such knowledge as given in the aphorisms of the Vedanta Sutra, must be supported by the Upanishads. According to learned scholars, there are three different sources of knowledge, which are called Pristantraya. According to these scholars, Vedanta is one of such sources, for it presents Vedic knowledge on the basis of logic and sound arguments. In the Bhagavad Gita, 13.5, the Lord says, Brahma Sutra Pradaschaiva. Brahma Sutra Pradaschaiva. Brahma Sutra Pradaschaiva. Hetu Madhvir Vinishchitaihi. Understanding of the ultimate goal of life is ascertained in the Brahma Sutra by legitimate logic and argument concerning cause and effect. Therefore, the Vedanta Sutra is known as Nyaya Prasthan. The Upanishads are known as Shruti Prasthan. And the Gita, Mahabharata and Puranas are known as Smriti Prasthan. All scientific knowledge of transcendence must be supported by Shruti Smriti and logical, sound logical basis. It is said that both the Vedic knowledge and the supplement of the Vedas, called the Satvata Pancharatra, emanated from the breathing of Narayana. 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Vedanta Sutra aphorisms were compiled by Srila Vyasadeva, a powerful incarnation of Sri Narayana, although it is sometimes said that they were compiled by a great sage named Apantararatma. Apantaratama. The Vedanta Sutra aphorisms were compiled by Srila Vyasadeva, a powerful incarnation of Sri Narayana. Although it is sometimes said that they were, they were compiled by a great sage named Apantaratama. Apantaratama. The Pancharatra and Vedanta Sutra, however, express the same opinions. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore confirms that there is no difference in opinion between the two and he declares that because the Vedanta Sutra was compiled by Srila Vyasadeva it may be understood to have emanated from the breathing of Sri Narayana. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur comments that while Vyasadeva was compiling the Vedanta Sutra seven of his saintly contemporaries were also engaged in similar work. These saints were Atreya Rishi, Ashparatya, Audolami, Karshnajini, Kashakritsna, Jaimini, and Badari. In addition, it is stated that Parashari and Karmandi Bhikshu also discussed the Vedanta Sutra aphorisms before Vyasadeva. As mentioned above, the Vedanta Sutra consists of four chapters. The first two chapters discuss the relationship of the living entity with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is known as Sambandha Gyan, or knowledge of the relationship. <clears throat> the third chapter explains how one can act in his relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hmm. So the first two chapters discuss the relationship of the living entity with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, known as Sambandha Gyan, or knowledge of the relationship. So two chapters on Sambandhagyan. The third chapter describes how one can act in his relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is called Abhideya Gyan. The relationship of a living entity with the Supreme Lord is described by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Jivera Sarupa Haya Krishnara Nityadas. The living entity is an eternal servant of Krishna the Supreme God. C.C. Madhya 20, 108. Therefore, to act in that relationship, one must perform sadhana bhakti, or the prescribed duties of service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is called Abhideya Gyan. The fourth chapter describes the result of such devotional service, Prayojana Gyan. This ultimate goal of life is to go back home, back to Godhead. The words anavriti 
Shabdat in the Vedanta Sutra indicates indicate this ultimate goal. Srila Vyasadeva, a powerful incarnation of Narayana, compiled the Vedanta Sutra and in order to protect it from unauthorized commentaries, he personally composed Srimad Bhagavatam on the instruction of his spiritual master, Narada Muni, as the original commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Besides Srimad Bhagavatam, there are commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra composed by all the major Vaishnava Acharyas. And in each of them, devotional service to the Lord is described very explicitly. Only those who follow Shankara's commentary have described the Vedanta Sutra in an impersonal way, without reference to Vishnu Bhakti or devotional service to the Lord, Vishnu. Generally, people very much appreciate this Sharirakha Kambhasya, or impersonal description of the Vedanta Sutra, but all commentaries that are devoid of devotional service to Lord Vishnu must be considered to differ in purport from the original Vedanta Sutra. In other words, Lord Chaitanya definitely confirmed that the commentaries or bhashas written by the Vaishnava Acharyas on the basis of devotional service to Lord Vishnu <clears throat> and not the Sharirakha Bhasha of Shankaracharya give the actual explanation of the Vedanta Sutra. Text 7. One second. Okay, we're going to read this section in a little smaller sections and try to select uh, stopping places which kind of take us to another level. <clears throat> so we've heard about the Vedanta Sutra. We've heard that it has four chapters, two regarding the Sambandha Jnana or the analysis of the relationship between Krishna and his devotees and Krishna in the material world spiritual world. Then we the second third chapter is Abhideya, how to act in that uh, way, which means sadhana bhakti. And then ultimately the fourth chapter, Priyojana, which describes the attainment of love of God, how to do that and what, what it means, what it is. And beginning in the next section, we're going to hear um, the qualifications of those this scripture, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I'm giving it a little bit in bite-sized chunks, so we don't become overwhelmed. And it would be very good if each one of you uh, out there listening could actually read these sections again before we read tomorrow, so that you can uh, have a sense of how things, the continuity of the subject. And with that we'll stop our reading tonight and ask if anyone has any reflections, uh, any points that stuck out in the minds while they were reading that they want to discuss or reflect upon or inquire about. Hare Krishna. Hey Gopal Roy, Haribo!
says, Dear Maharaj, thank you for another wonderful, enlightening reading. In the purport for text 102, Srila Prabhupada was discussing the different levels of devotees, first, second, and third class, and the importance of hearing and assimilating Vedic literature, specifically in the last paragraph of the purport. <coughs> it often seems that a way to judge these three levels of devotees is by their knowledge of Shastra. <coughs> for, exa for example, an Uttama Adhikari can convince others by scripture. However, it seems that there are also other examples of very advanced devotees, not necessarily so conversant with Shastra, like the illiterate Brahmin and Gopakumar. My question, in short, is it valid to judge a devotee by their knowledge of Shastra and devotional service? <coughs> a devotee is, is <coughs> judged by how he has assimilated the knowledge uh, of the scriptures. And that assimilation uh, ends in how much faith and love that he's attained uh, by that hearing. And I think it mentioned also, in carefully, if you listen carefully to what we just read, it's not just by studying it, but it's also by hearing it. So that illiterate Brahmana that Lord Chaitanya met in the uh, Madhulila, we'll hear it before long, uh, it's not that he didn't know the Vedanta Sutras. He did, but he was illiterate. He couldn't read, but he, he could hear. And he had been, this is our uh, Acharya's commentaries on this pastime. He heard from authorized sources, and he knew the essence and that's what it says in these uh, purports that we've just read he must know the essence of the Vedas he doesn't necessarily have to be a grammatical scholar you know and know the verses by heart and be able to analyze them according to grammar and the rules of Sanskrit language but he has to have heard them and he has to have assimilated them uh, and be able to explain them uh, in a way that can actually touch the heart and change the heart of a conditioned soul and bring him closer to Krishna. So that's how we see illiterate Brahmana. That's how we see uh, Gorkishor Das Babaji, for instance, who is also uh, not educated. He was a grain merchant before he attained perfection and he, he couldn't write his no, name. He had to give his thumbprint as his signature. But he knew everything. If you ask him a question about anything, he would know exactly how to answer the question properly according to Shastra. So it, it's not an academic exercise, the advancement in devotional service and even the advancement in the knowledge. But some devotees who have service, specific services to meet erudite scholars, they must know the details of the philosophy. But it's not that you have to know the details of the philosophy to act as a spiritual authority. 
you have to know the essence of the of the shastras. Therefore, the Krishna consciousness movement is spreading all over the world in a fairly rapid me- measure, actually, considering how few years it's been around since Prabhupada came to the West. So that's the essence of it. Different devotees may have different qualifications or abilities to learn verses and study Shastra and explain them in a very erudite way and to be able to argue, you know, the philosophies that are apasampradaya and defeat them. But other devotees may not have that capacity, but they have full capacity to explain the essence of all those things uh, by their realization from having heard from the proper authority. In other words, to be a spiritual master, you must have heard from a bona fide spiritual master who has heard from a bona fide spiritual master and so on and so forth back to Lord Chaitanya. Is that clear? Did I answer the question? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Anything else? says, thank you Maharaj, that is more clear. So the realization is the most important thing? Yeah, the realization is the most important thing, but you have to have heard the philosophy. We, 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 we get the philosophy by hearing from authorities. So even if one is not an erudite scholar, you know, like Jiva Goswami or Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati <coughs> Goswami Maharaj, but they've heard from them and they can they've understood the philosophy and they can explain it to others in a way to awaken their Krishna consciousness, that person is recognized and uh, eligible to act as, as guru. And that doesn't mean that they don't back up what they say from Betty's scriptures, but it's mainly from the process of hearing if they're not an erudite type of person or haven't studied uh, uh, the Shastras in that way. Therefore, you can... The, the Uttamadikaris generally don't preach 
because they have attained the stage where they see all living beings as perfectly engaged in Krishna's service because of the, the of being in the Krishna's energy, having been put in a Krishna's energy in a certain way, in a certain place, by time, they consider them to be uh, properly engaged in Krishna's service. That's the Uttamadikari stage. But the Uttamadikari stage has to come down to the Madhyam stage. That doesn't mean he becomes a Madhyam, but he comes down to that stage and discriminates between who is ignorant, who is equal, who is uh, envious, and he acts differently according to those persons. The difference between the Kanishtadikari and the Madhyamadikari is not just knowledge, but it's also the depth of one's faith and conviction. So the two things that are, that are the measure of a devotee's advancement, it's their, their proper understanding and knowledge and their deep uh, devotional faith and, and affection and love. And the more, more that faith is awakened, the more advanced they are considered, the more their knowledge is comprehensive and can uh, answer all questions uh, And yes, the Uttamarikari, he knows everything and he can explain everything in the nicest way possible. But he doesn't always do it because he's fixed in that equanimity. Something else? Gopal, right? Yes, Gopal. A question I don't quite understand. Is the difference in realizing and not realizing the condition of one's heart while they hear from authority? Realization means that you can see things as they are through the eyes of transcendental knowledge. When you've actually assimilated, to the degree that you've assimilated the knowledge, you see the world differently. Just like if a person is studying, you know, computers, for instance, you know, he may start by not knowing anything, and he has to learn so many things about the different parts of the computer and how they work, and how they work together, and, and what it can do, what 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 its purpose is. But in the process of assimilating that knowledge, at some point, he understands what a computer is. He may not know anything in the beginning, but as he assimilates the knowledge of the computer, at some point, before he knows everything about the computer, he understands what the computer is for and how to, how to operate it. So it, that's the analogy of assimilation of spiritual knowledge. It isn't like a, it isn't like a, a material degree where you go to school and you cram knowledge into your head and you take the tests 
and you write the exams and write a paper and then you get your letters after your name and a certificate, a diploma, and then you become a big guy. And sometimes just forget it afterwards, but you have to write another book and so on, so on and so forth. When I was in university, there was a saying, publish or perish. So spiritual knowledge is not like that. Spiritual knowledge is the assimilation of spiritual truth. Brahma Jigyasa. Tato Brahma Jigyasa. And that absolute truth is described in the Vedas and it is realized by performing devotional service. So the Sambandha gives us our the basic principles of relationship. Uh, we are servants of Krishna and the details of that uh, in relationship to the material energy and the spiritual energy in Krishna. Uh, the Abhideya teaches us how to act in that platform. That is Sadhana Bhakti. And Sadhana Bhakti has two divisions, Vaidhi Bhakti and Raganuga Bhakti. So when we reach the Raganuga stage by purification of our senses and our hearts by the performance of sadhana bhakti under the direction of a spiritual master and with the proper uh, attitude, service attitude, uh, then our hearts become purified by chanting and hearing and serving in different ways, worshipping the deity. Uh, preaching Krishna consciousness, doing all kinds of work for Krishna. And then uh, when the heart becomes purified by doing that, then it melts. And as it melts, our chanting and our hearing has a different effect on us. And then those symptoms begin that we talked that we heard about before then tears will come to the eyes, etc., etc. And eventually we become attractive to Krishna. <coughs> and then when Krishna chooses us, then we can go back to Godhead. from Rati Manjari yes Rati she says dear Guru Maharaj please accept my humble obeisances thank you for your wonderful dedication to reading to us every single day of your devotional life could I please ask a question not directly referring to the text I have been wondering what it was like in the times that Srila Prabhupada was translating the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and devotees were hearing detailed knowledge about Lord Chaitanya for the first time. Was this an exciting phenomenon for the devotees at the time? Of course. Were there, for example, stories passed down amongst the devotees even before the books themselves were actually printed? Could you please comment a little bit, if you like? 
Well, um, not so much. Before the books were printed, there were two volumes that were printed in the beginning. Actually, the first volume was this uh, chapter that we're reading now. It was called Lord Chaitanya and Five Features, and that's the title of the chapter. So we learned about Lord Chaitanya by that book right, in the, right at the very beginning. We didn't know so much about his pastimes. And Prabhupada would talk about his pastimes and read from Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, even in 1966, he started reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita to explain us the lives of Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami and how they came to the, to Lord Chaitanya's service and how they wrote all their books and you know excavated the the uh, holy places of Vrindavan. So yeah, there was there were things, but the details didn't come out until the book was published. And he wrote the he wrote translated it and compiled it in about a year and a half. And but it only took two months to do uh, the last fifteen volumes. So there wasn't so much that came. It wasn't like the Bhagavatam that came out, you know, a volume a month or every other month. So we heard the things. It just came out all at once. 15 volumes all at once. So we didn't know very many details about those things until that book came out. By that time, some devotees were living in India and they may have heard things that the devotees who hadn't been to India yet knew uh, before they heard them. But Lord, but Srila Prabhupada, just by his association and by the things that he said to us, we understood who Lord Chaitanya was and who the Panchatakva was. But the deeper understanding and the details came out when the book came out. I remember specifically because I got the first books off the off the airplane sent to me by Ramaswar and therefore I just devoured the books I just sat down in the chair and just read the books and I wasn't just doing the, that for sense gratification but I was reading the books to the devotees who were calling me up from all over the country you know needing something or needing whatever needing to be preached to or whatever that was a very special time where I heard those details and I, I know that hardly anybody had heard any of the details of anything, of any, if any. That's my personal experience. Okay, what else? Martha commented, she said it must have been fascinating. Uh, I think that's an understatement of the century. It was very wonderful. It's Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. Prabhupada told us that the, the unfolding of the Krishna consciousness movement are a part of Krishna's pastimes, part of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Is 
a comment from Sarvabhavapur. Yes, Sarva. He says, Srila Prabhupada's phrase to describe the Mayavadis as farcical Narayanas is striking and delightful. <laughs> yeah, it is comical. Rati just commented something more. Uh, I think connected. It must have been fascinating to hear all the all these details about the master you had already been serving. Yes. We didn't know any of those things. We just knew Prabhupada. We knew Shiva Prabhupada. And the way he introduced all this knowledge to us was just so masterful and so so expert that's why I'm trying to uh, you know concentrate on Srila Prabhupada's words and his flow of thought and his realizations my personal spiritual life and distributing Krishna consciousness to others. What else? Rati says thank you. Hare Krishna. says Jai Shri the Prabhupada. Jai Shri the Prabhupada. Okay, thank you so much everyone and we'll hear more about Lord Chaitanya's description of the Vedanta Sutra, the essence of all knowledge, how he explained it directly, personally, tomorrow. Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai Samabeda Bhakta Brinda Ki Jai Go Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same station. Hari Krishna. See you tomorrow.